And do you want me to do you want me to do an intro bit? No, these we're doing the intro bit. I just pull out of this. Oh God, I don't think there's anything worth having in that. Well, oh. that was massive. I think we just found something <laughs> worth having in that, didn't we? That was horrendous. Because God damn, half of Vimto. It's not even half of Vimto. That's like a fifth of a can of Vimto. God. What's that uh, drink that they have in the BFG? Frobskull. Yeah. It's like that, only rather than doing whiz bangs, you're doing dirty mouth burps. Oh, God. It's it's dreadful. It is an infliction. Infliction? Affliction. <laughs> yeah. It's an affliction. It's an affliction. Yeah. Every time I, I love fizzy drink, but every time I drink fizzy drink. <laughs> fizzy drink. <laughs> oh, sorry. Do we call it something else? <laughs> Just, just imagining a generic brand now. <laughs> fizzy drank. <laughs> Try some fizzy drink. It tastes of flavour. We have red flavour. Every... I tell you what, from when I was a kid, I remember fizzy drinks used to come in three standard flavours. Orange. Yeah. Red. Yeah. And blue. You're thinking it. of the ones where... They Panda were... Pops. No, I was thinking of the plastic ones where for some reason it was in vogue for kids rather than to put the straw into it. Oh, To yeah. bite the bottom, bottom corner of yeah. it and spray it like that. But the plastic had more tensile strength than the little covering at the top. Yep. So there would always be the kid who tried to squeeze it too hard and, and blew... Shot the <laughs> well, it was the top. It they just the had top. it upside down. They'd blow the top off and it'd <laughs> soak their legs. <laughs> At the school disco. Sticky blue drank. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... Go on then. I'm going to wait to see if you burp again. Mm. I might. I've stopped hiccuping. That's a good sign. No burp? No, I'm all right. So... No, I'm all right. Okay. Today's story begins during the Restoration Era. So that's just after we got rid of Oliver Cromwell. Mm. And we decided... Even... Did he bury his cheese? No. No, he didn't. You're you're thinking of um, Pepys, oh. the diarist. It's so not it, the same person. It's it's not the same. You're not a million miles away in terms of the timing. Okay. Um, but Cromwell didn't bury his cheese. Cromwell didn't bury his cheese, no. Oh, okay. Cromwell uh, was responsible for overthrowing the monarchy. And then he was such a buzz Killington that after nine years of him, the entire country en masse said, let's go back to having a monarchy because anything is Christmas. better than him. Yes. Then he's heinous. And theatre and laughter and football and everything. He just cancelled it all because we were going to live good Puritan lives and then we went and got one of the fanciest, most overblown kings uh, to, to to take that taste out in Charles II. Yeah. Yeah. What a thwait. He was a thwait, but it's nothing to do with him because he's already gone in the Restoration era. That's why it was the Restoration. Okay. So, your three words oh. for this post-Cromwell tale. Yeah. Buccaneering. How exciting. Articles. Right. Swallow. What do you think we're talking about? Well, we're talking about pirates. Because of the articles? Buccaneering kind of gave it away, do you not think? There are very few professions where you can say that you buccaneer on a daily basis. You don't buccaneer on your way to the, I don't know, doctors, do you? I tried to buccaneer on the way to work. It just didn't work out. (laughs) No. Buccaneer to the office. So... There is quite a bit of disagreement as to what exactly constitutes the golden age of piracy. Okay. Some historians say it lasted from 1650 to 1730, encompassing three periods. Mm -hmm. The buccaneering period, which Mm -hmm. was 1650 to 1680. The pirate round period, which was the 1690s. And the post-Spanish succession period from 1715 to 1726. I've thought that one. Okay, well, other historians scoff and say only the final period counts. And anyway, it was only really 1715 to 1722. So there. 
God, who are these people? Why do they have nothing better to do? That's the job description. They're historians. How boring. We we are a history podcast. We are, but, you know, all I'm saying is these people that are arguing this point that doesn't matter for a living well, are wasting their lives. We're not going to bother arguing the point, okay? No. Because regardless of the exact definition, it was clear that the golden age of piracy had its roots much earlier in the idea that private sailors could be given privateer commissions that would allow them to take ships of nations the monarch was currently at war with. Okay. So it was basically, uh, you gave someone um, these articles, these commissions, and it allowed them to kind of join your navy for a little while, Mm. sort of like be a militia navy. Uh, The prizes that these um, privateers would capture would then be sold, and the proceeds split between the privateer and the crown. So everybody wins. This sounds like freelance. Yeah, pretty much. They were freelancers. There were limits placed on how a privateer could act, and any overstepping of these limits that were in the uh, agreement would leave the sailors open to charges of piracy. Okay. So you you were a privateer until you went too far, and then you'd be a pirate. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> oh, God. Private sailors could also be given a letter of mark and reprisal, yeah. which would condone them to essentially conduct a private war against some foreign ruler or subject. Yeah. Um, the first letters of mark were granted by King Edward I, who you may know better... I'm going to see if you know either of his nicknames. Longshanks, because mm-hmm. he was a particularly tall king. And he was also known as the Hammer of the Scots. I've heard the second one. Yeah. Um, possibly in the National Anthem. Uh, in 1295, though, he gave out these first ones. Okay. Um, the use was limited until 1620, though, as any ship owner applying for a letter of mark had to prove an estimation of the losses that had been incurred. So basically... If some foreign nation or foreign private company had cost you money, you could go to the king and go, I want to go and aggressively um, get... Basically, you're acting as your own debt collector. Mm -hmm. I want to go and take stuff to the value that I lost. But in order to get that, you had to prove exactly how much losses you'd incurred. Mm -hmm. But yeah, after about 1620, the idea of privateer uh, a privateer commission and letters of mark became pretty much the same thing. So it all got amalgamated together and it was basically just um, a, a document that would allow you to uh, attack certain nation's ships under the protection of your own monarch. Yep, with you so far. Okay. Uh, and that was very lucky uh, because England and France were both seeking in the 1620s to disrupt Spanish treasure fleets from shipping wealth back from the Caribbean and South America. It's always the Spanish, isn't it? Yeah. It's always the Spanish. Well, they... they with boats. They were the ones who'd got South America and all the gold. Yeah. And the more that they could ship back, the the wealthier they got as a nation and thus the more influence they had in Europe. So the French and the British, not normally bedfellows, no. decided that we'd get together because we just really don't like the Spanish at this point because they're doing really Fair well. Enough. Well. It was sour grapes of the worst kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we didn't want... Um, occasional outbreaks of peace with Spain to ruin the plans of the privateers. So they absolutely loved when they were being allowed by, you know, the British Crown to to go and steal from the Spanish ships because they were making tons of money. Mm-hmm. And at times when we were at, weren't at war with Spain, they didn't really want to stop because that was pretty much their job was taking Spanish galleons. Yep. So when the, when the monarch tried to say, oh, well, actually, at the moment, we're, we're not at war with Spain. You can't do that. They all just went, yeah. But we're in the Caribbean and we're, we're sailing around South America and you're in Britain. So to we're be just honest, keep doing it. To be honest, you're essentially saying to a load of people, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. And now it's not okay. And, of course, they're going to go, yeah, I'm not really going to listen to you. Mm. And they did. And for 30 glorious years, uh, the British, the French and the Spanish basically engaged in a proxy European war Mm -hmm. on the coast of the Americas. Yep. Um, The French, they plied their trade from Tortuga. Mm -hmm. That's where the French privateers hung out. And the British from Port Royal. Mm -hmm. And they happily plundered the Spanish merchant ships 
not a care in the world. No. Buccaneers like Henry Morgan, who mm-hmm. showed that the taking of prize ships could bring fabulous riches for people from humble origins. Despite being born a commoner in Wales, mm-hmm. uh, he was knighted. He was made a governor of Jamaica, and all of this was based solely on his success as a privateer slash pirate. Is he Captain Morgan on the bottle of Morgan's rum? Might be. Hmm. Probably. Although I've seen I've seen the adverts now with sexy Captain Morgan. He does not look like a Welshman. You know what? Right? He doesn't look that... like he's from the British Isles at all. He doesn't look British. He's too good looking to yeah. be British. Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't. And I tell you what, the only the only other captain that's more unnerving mm. than the now sexy Captain Morgan is sexy Captain Birdseye. I remember sexy Captain Birdseye. Oh, They've gone God, back to family no, friendly they have. Birdseye, haven't they? <laughs> They've gone pre-watershed Captain mm. Birdseye now. Mm. Which is nice. Old man with a beard. Yeah not, yeah. not young man with a dark stare and stubble. Stubble and kind of... Yeah, no, 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 no. Do you need a couldn't, moment? No, I couldn't cope with him. Okay. So, but it all went wrong in 1680. Right. As an Anglo-Spanish treaty was signed and any sailors wanting to carry on with their looting lifestyle would be treated as the pirates they were by the British authorities as well as the Spanish. And it seemed that the time of colonial piracy, it was over. No, it wasn't. You're not going to get them ships back. <laughs> Two years later, in 16... 16- <laughs> I wouldn't give it back. I wouldn't give it back. Okay, yeah, you can go and steal and you can make your living and you can do this and you can be dead no, good at it. They weren't saying you had to give anything you'd taken back. They were saying you couldn't do it anymore. You don't know, if you'd already taken prize ships, they were yours. You could do with them as you wanted. But they were like, right, here's a, here's a statute of limitations from from Tuesday at 2pm. No more. Yeah, I'd still do it. Yeah, I know. But anyway, two years after this treaty mm-hmm. in 1682, John Roberts was born in the village of Little Newcastle in West Wales. Mm-hmm. He got to the age of 13. And because Wales, West Wales at the time wasn't the most interesting place in the world, uh, he decided to run away to sea. Okay. To see what he could see. See, see. Mm. John Roberts promptly disappeared from history for the next 24 years. Doing what? Well, presumably working on loads of ships and slowly rising up the ranks. Because the next time he's mentioned, yeah, he's risen all the way to second mate, which I think is pretty good, uh, and was considered an expert navigator and an all-round superlative seaman. Well, I mean, it's no first mate, is it? No, it's not a first mate, but he's 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 at least not still cabin boy. You're not bosun either. No, but he's at least you know he's not a. Well, he's got a title. He's I got suppose. a title. He's he's, he's not, not a bloke in a boat. Yeah, is he? he's not just an able seaman. He okay. hasn't been you know just turning his wheels and getting nowhere. He's he's progressed slowly and steadily. Fair enough. Uh, and he was working in a very senior position. Thank you very much. Uh, It'll do. I mean, there's better. He was go on. He was he was working comfortably. Yeah. On a ship called Princess. Ah, very nice. Which have a? Did it have a head? Well, oh, did it have a um, A figurehead? A figurehead. Don't know. Not seen a picture of it. Sorry. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You know, you hear Princess, you're thinking, lovely cruise ship. No, I imagine it to be black. Well, it was a slave trader, unfortunately. That's what it did. Um, I was thinking like black and tarnished wood. uh, Rather than the people on it. (laughs) Tarnished with the blood of many a a slave, unfortunately. Um, The ship was anchored just off Ghana in 1719, probably conducting its its business, uh, when it was attacked by pirates. Right. Since the clampdown on piracy in the Caribbean, pirates had turned their attention to the Indian Ocean. Here, there was a thriving shipping trade with no major navies to protect it, Mm -hmm. because all the nations around, you know, the Indian Ocean, they were still trading across the, you know, across the bays. But there was nothing like the British Navy to sort of protect those interests at that time. And following the end of another war with Spain in 1713, there was suddenly a mass of privateers Again, because in between, while we were at war with Spain, they were all able to attack the Spanish. Mm-hmm. They suddenly had nothing better to do. Um, it was known that conditions aboard merchant boats were terrible 
and on the slavers specifically because you think the slavers they're really bad for the slaves and they are but the mortality rates of the crew were almost as high as for the slaves because from the point of view of the captain yeah why why waste money feeding your crew rations because if you've if you've got to make a choice between keeping all of the slaves alive and keeping all of the crew alive the slaves are your profit they're where you're making the money whereas the crew are people you have to pay yeah but the people the crew are steering your bloody boat well no you need to keep enough alive but oh my god if it comes down to it what are you going to protect are you going to protect the profit or the people that you've got to pay at the end of it if a few of them die all of them and have a roaringly good trade no no i'm just saying Sometimes you have to make harsh... The, the sea Specula- is a harsh mistress no, and you have to make... speculate to accumulate, innit? Well, they did. Speculate to accumulate. Yeah. Not play with people's lives, Joe. I'm not down with that. No, he's annoyed me now. No. <laughs> do you not know how corporations work? And I do. It doesn't mean I agree with it. No, but... It doesn't mean that I like it. It explains why the mortality rate of the crews were almost as high as the slaves because the crew had no intrinsic value to the company. You know, you could get another sailor... <sighs> They were just they were part of your expenses essentially, and if you could trim those expenses, more more power to you. Well done. That's that's the that's the British way. They deserve to be pirated. Business. Well, they were pirated. Good. Um, so naturally, many of these crews, after they couldn't be privateers or were told they couldn't be privateers anymore, they're like, shall we shall we sign on with merchant ships or slavers where we're going to be treated terribly, or should we just pirate where? We'll, we'll be treated better as long as we're not caught. Uh, and a lot of people chose the pirate life. It also helped at this time that the largest treasure salvage was taking place just off Florida, where a Spanish treasure fleet had been sunk by a hurricane. Okay. So a massive treasure fleet had dropped all of all of it in the Straits of Florida. Mm. And there were a lot of people who thought, what we'll do is we'll sit there and we'll wait until... Um, the salvagers bring it up. Yep. And then we'll just go after the salvagers ships and take what they've brought up. So just sit there and wait for the people to do the hard work and then just take the profit. The pirates that boarded the princess were led by Captain Howell Davis. He was a Welshman, like John Roberts. It won't be called Howell then, will he? Howell. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, yes. So he quickly forced John to join his crew in spite of John's protests. John mm-hmm. didn't want to join the crew. He was not not particularly into the pirate life, but Howell, he saw a fellow Welshman, an expert navigator, someone that he felt he could get along with. Uh, oddly, Howell himself had only become a pirate less than a year earlier when the slaver he had been working on was captured by a pirate. So a very similar storyline. Okay. And that pirate captain was called Edward England, who was, of course, Irish. Of course. With a name like Edward England, he was yeah. Irish. Okay. Um, so perhaps seeing a younger version of himself in John Roberts, Captain Davis took him under his wing and soon convinced John of the benefits of piracy. John himself is quoted as saying, In an honest service, there is thin commons, low wages and hard labour. In piracy, plenty pleasure and ease, liberty and power, and who would not balance creditor on this side, when all the hazard that is run for it, at worst, is only a sour look or two at choking? No, a merry life and a short one shall be my motto. So he was, enough. he was convinced quite quickly and quite easily. John took over as navigator. Yeah. Important person to have. Um, aboard Captain Davis's own ship, the Royal Rover. And the two would speak together in Welsh to ensure their conversations were secret from the rest of the crew. And experience any English person who has ever walked into a Welsh pub can understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the hostility and the feeling that you shouldn't actually be there is... Uh, it has been felt. It has been felt. <laughs> so it seems like Captain Davis was extra keen, first because he needed a navigator... Yeah, uh, and secondly, because this was a secret friend he could have. I mean, you can you can see from here where the the plot for Treasure Island came from. Mm. <laughs> really, I mean, well, David, it's not a million yeah. miles away, is it? Davis was a particularly tricksy pirate as well. Ooh. He's a tricksy pirate. He'd rather capture prizes via deception than open battle. 
he would pretend to be a legitimate privateer in order to capture important officials and then he'd ransom them. So he'd pretend like he was a normal, just everyday merchant ship or whatever, going about his business, Uh convince someone to come across to discuss a business deal and then hold them ransom and force people to pay him money. Which is pretty, pretty good. Um, It worked a few times, so he decided to go and step it up a bit, step his game up. Now that he had his his little Welsh friend, Mm -hmm. John, uh, he was going to go to uh, try and trick the governor of the Portuguese Isle of Principe uh, to come on board his boat so okay. that he could then ransom the governor because you're going to get a lot of money for a governor. Yeah. Unfortunately, the governor of Principe saw through the deception Ugh. and he decided counter-deception. You, you fight fire with fire, you fight deception with deception. Okay. Uh, and he he said, fine, you know, I would love to come on board your ship, but firstly, it is a tradition in our little town that any, you know, upstanding captain is invited for drinks at the governor's mansion. So you come to the governor's mansion, we'll have some drinks, and then tomorrow I'll come and board your vessel and we can do the business. We'll party tonight, tomorrow, business. Okay. Um. So Captain Davis thought, I'm getting a slap-up meal, probably a glass or two of wine. Mm-hmm. That's, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to eat the ship's biscuits tonight. Fantastic. Um, he took a few of his men uh, and he went down into the town where they were promptly ambushed and shot dead before they even got a drink. Yeah. Oh, you'd, you see, you'd think... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> you'd think they'd be a bit more canny than that, wouldn't you? Well, I think he was... He, he was it had worked a few times, so he, he lulled himself into this idea that yeah, it was no, a foolproof plan. Yeah, but if you've got the same racket plan. and you just keep it going and keep it going, hmm. like, eventually you're going to get rumbled, aren't you? Well, uh, it would be silly of me to say no, considering exactly. what's just happened. But yeah, so... God. He, oh, well, he deserved what he got. I mean, switch it up a little bit. Well, yeah. he wasn't going to kill the governor. I think it was a bit harsh. He was just going to ransom him back for lots and lots of money. What they really should have done if they wanted to do a full turnaround is they should have captured Captain Davis and then ransomed him back to his own ship. I actually thought that that's what you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that they locked him up. It might have been the it might have been the plan of the uh, governor, but someone got pistol happy and just <sighs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, mowed them down. So, bit of a bit of a shocker. Uh huh. A new captain clearly needed, obviously, uh, and this required a vote because. As you know, pirates love a vote. Pirates, but they also would always vote for the captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazingly, the crew voted for John Roberts, despite the fact he'd only been with them for a month and a half. Why the hell did they pick him? Um, maybe because he'd seemed to have a really good relationship with the captain, and the mm-hmm. captain was telling everyone that this guy was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they brought him on because he was. They needed a navigator, so he may have been the only person on the ship who was, you know, a competent navigator. Fair enough. <clears throat> or he might have just been a nice guy. I mean, he's been working on ships for 24 years. He's got to have some kind of, you know, camaraderie going on. Top bands. Yeah, he might have just been really good with the old uh, back and forth. Fair enough. Um, not surprisingly, he accepted. He would. Yeah. Um, and decided the first thing they should do was to avenge the old captain, which is okay. nice. Okay. Roberts led a raid on the island after dark, killing most of the males and taking as much loot as they could carry. Wow. Then, in his very first week, the crew were able to capture a Dutch merchant ship and a British merchant ship. Unsurprisingly, this convinced the crew that they'd made the right choice. That's a good week. Yeah, I mean, as the start of a career goes... That's three bold things that have happened in your first week. Yeah. John... He decided he was going to need a better name if he was going to be a pirate captain. Okay. And he decided that he would be called Bartholomew Roberts okay. for the rest of his life. He chose this name as a homage, 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 a homage to Bartholomew Sharp, a famous pirate from the buccaneering era who had received a full pardon for all of his plundering from King Charles II. Wow. Because King Charles II, he liked a party animal. Okay, fair enough. And I'm guessing Bartholomew Sharp had a few stories. Fair dues. Brought some grog. Brought some grog down to the palace. Yeah. Yeah. Gift of the gab and away he went. Yep. The newly minted Bartholomew Roberts also decided that he needed new articles. Articles. 
<laughs> the articles were a list of rules the crew of a pirate ship agreed to abide by for as long as they sailed together. Uh-huh. As these articles were often used against pirates during trials, you know, to prove that they were pirates, yep. um, they were mostly destroyed in the event of capture. But mm-hmm. Bartholomew's, his articles are still around. They are, they're the pirate's code. Well, would you like to hear... The articles yeah. of Bartholomew Roberts and his scurvy crew on the Royal Rover. Go on then. One. Every man has a vote in the affairs of moment, has equal title to the fresh provisions or strong liquors at any time seized, and may use them at pleasure. So Fair enough. You the the drinks cabinet is always open. Unless a scarcity makes it necessary for the good of all to vote a retrenchment. So the drinks cabinet is always open until we're down to the bottle of ouzo at the back in which case we're gonna have to sort of eat that you what's out what's always left in a drinks cabinet blue caracal oh, i love that we put that in bucky o'hare's like what even is it what even does it taste of it's it's going back to the blue drink blue fizzy pop it just tastes of blue maybe we should buy some and just put it in um, soda water and you can have <laughs> blue. alcoholic blue just blue so that's that's the first rule Everyone gets a vote. Everyone has equal right to all of the provisions and all of the food and all of yeah. the drink, unless we have to. Unless we have to, you know, sort of tighten our belts. Mm-hmm. Two, every man to be called fairly in turn by list on board of prizes because, over and above their proper share, they were on these occasions allowed a shift of clothes. But if they defrauded the company to the value of a dollar in plate, jewels, or money, marooning was their punishment. If the robbery was only betwixt one another, they contented themselves with slitting the ears and nose of him that was guilty and set him on shore, not in an uninhabited place, but somewhere where he was sure to encounter hardships. With no ears or nose? Uh, No, you just slit them. You just cut them. So he have scars. So if any other, if he tried to join another pirate crew, they'll be able to see by the scars on his nose and his ears, you know, things that you're not going to be able to hide particularly well. Uh, that he wasn't to be trusted. So fair basically, enough. everyone gets a fair share. Um, but if you try to steal from either the crew or from each other, mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're just going to be chucked off the ship. Fair dues. Yep. Three. No person to game at cards or dice for money. No gambling. This is a pirate crew. Okay. Not do no gambling on a pirate pirate ship. Fair enough. Which makes that entire scene from the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie, you know. Yeah, but they they that was um, they were gambling. They were gambling for. They time. were, they were, but that was Davy Jones's crew, so it's not exactly like a proper pirate. Crew. Oh, actually, it does say him money. It didn't say ours, did it? Mm-hmm. Four, the lights and candles to be put out at eight o'clock at night. I'm liking this. Yeah, if any of the crew after that hour still remained inclined for drinking, they were to do it on the open deck under the light of the moon. That's the, the, and if okay. there's a cloud, you're stuffed. Yeah, I I just imagine like back in the day, people had better night vision than they do now because we're just so used to street lights. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, there's you don't need it. It's definitely not going to be selectively bred for anymore, is it? No, no. Four, uh, five, even. I can't read Roman numerals. V, V I I V V V to keep their peace pistols and cutlass clean and fit for service i understand the pistols and cutlass don't know what he means by the piece you better keep your piece polished yeah what's what's your piece get the pistol get the cutlass those are those are your fighting tools your piece is it is it not like your dagger i don't know might it's better than what i was thinking of no it's no it's part of you that makes up your baldrick Moving on. No boy or woman to be allowed amongst them. If any man were to be found seducing any of the latter sex and carried her to sea disguised, he was to suffer death. No ladies on the boat. Don't go sneaking your ladies on the boat. The lady herself would not suffer death. She would be placed onto land at the next available opportunity. Okay. But the bloke would surely be killed. Okay. Well, you knew the rule. Uh, Seven. To desert the ship or their quarters in battle was punished with death or marooning, depending on how serious oh, it was. Gosh, right, okay. Yeah, so if you'd 
I just I just think that's that's proviso of a good day or a bad day. <laughs> how lucky do you feel? Well, it depends how how important it was. I mean, if you if you abandon your post, you're in battle, but nothing had really come of it. Maybe maroon them. But if you'd abandoned your post at the battle and then you know, someone had made off with all the loot from the ship because your post had been just in front of the treasure store. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be killed. Mm. Yeah, it's, like you say, it's context, isn't it? Context. It's totally context, how the captain's feeling. Mm-hmm. Eight. No striking one another on board, but every man's quarrels to be ended on shore at sword and pistol. Gosh, wow. Yeah. You take it to the beach. <laughs> take it to the beach. <laughs> Nine. No men to talk of breaking up their way of living till each has shared £1,000. If, in order to this, any man should lose a limb or become a cripple in their service, he was to have $800 out of the public stock and for lesser hurts, proportionally. Okay. So if you got a leg blown off, you got 800 If you lost a finger, you might get threepence. You know, it's, it's a sliding tenor. scale. A tenner. A tenner for a finger. Yeah, if you get a splinter, they might give you a penny. Mm-hmm. Tell you to shut up. Ten. The captain and quartermaster to receive two shares of a prize. The master, boatswain and gunner, uh, one share and a half, and other officers, one and a quarter. Okay. And my favourite one of all, the last one, Mm -hmm. Article 11. The musicians are to have rest on the Sabbath day, but the other six days and nights, none without special favour. Amazing. So you can have a rest on Sunday, but if anyone asks you to play a jaunty sea ditty at any other time, <laughs> day or night, shanty me up. You have to do it. <laughs> Amazing. So someone's been sat up on deck since eight p.m. drinking yeah. of the strong liquor. They come down below decks at four in the morning, uh-huh. and they sort of wake you up with that drunk breath, grunting at you, telling you they want. They've walked into a hammock. Yeah, they want you to play something. You have to. Oh, my God. You have God. to pick up your fiddle in that dark room and try and get it See, out. See, I imagine um, when I'm squeeze boxes. Well, squeeze box, fiddle, drum. Mm. You know, I'm sure they had probably not keytar, but... No, I imagine some kind of, I don't know, lute. Yeah. I think something. I think the one thing we can agree is that they're all remarkably reasonable rules and regulations for a feared pirate captain. They're not that bad, actually. Mm. They're not too bad. Especially when you consider, you, you compared them against the rules that the Royal Navy would have had. Oh, God, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure there were a lot more things that would get you killed on a Royal Navy ship. Oh, my God, yeah. Or abandoned or, I don't know, keelhauled or... Keel- I don't know. Keelhauling's so fun. Or you just, I don't know, just, just starvation. Just, like, no access to a ration mm-hmm. or whatever. Probably more likely to be Royal Navy. Slow slow demise <laughs> it's more our it's more our thing isn't it well the royal navy we twist the knife slowly <laughs> well after his roaringly good start as a pirate captain and these new articles shiny new articles bartholomew had a bit of a dry spell it oh happens dear. unfortunately his dry spell happened around brazil oh no uh when he didn't capture a single ship for nine long weeks Oh, that is a long time. He was about to leave Brazil altogether. Uh-huh. I figured it wasn't the place for him. Uh, when he spotted 42 Portuguese merchant ships that were waiting to be escorted across the Atlantic. Okay. So one of the ways that they tried to battle piracy is they'd all gather together like gazelle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they'd get a couple of um, men of war to mm-hmm. sort of escort them across. Yeah. With the hopes that, you know, they'd all... Well, basically, you just hope that if you're doing that, and someone gets picked off, it's not you. Yep. You just don't have to be the shittest boat in the fleet, and mm-hmm. you're okay. Um, now, <clears throat> that's a lot of boats, and they will be armed. I mean, the merchant ships, but they will be armed. So mm-hmm. what does Bartholomew do? What would you do? You're facing 42 boats. Do you just grab one? What do you do? Go for the back one. Boom. Bartholomew <laughs> quickly boarded the smallest and worst defended one and told the captain, don't worry, mate, me and you were golden. I just need you to point out the ship with the most treasure on it mm-hmm. out of the other 41. And the captain, with, with shape, shaking finger, mm-hmm. he pointed to the Sagrada Familia, a 40-gun ship with 170 men. Bartholomew adjusted his fancy hat because he'd got himself a fancy hat. The Amazing. Man, I've not mentioned this yet. 
he dressed the part. As soon as he was made captain, yeah. he started wearing what he thought captain's clothes were, which Amazing. is just the brightest, gaudiest, See, I most imagine, nouveau richiest kind of... I imagine he brought the pirate to the pirate. You know what I mean? I like... When when you think of Captain Hook, when you think of Buccaneers, mm. when you think of Barbosa, based on this man, yeah, all of them. He yeah. was this guy was famed for his outfits, uh-huh. but he adjusted his fancy hat and led the boarding party himself, taking the ship without losing a single man. So they let the others go, mm-hmm. based on the fact that the others thought, "Fucking glad it's not me. Mm-hmm. We'll get out of dodge," and it worked. They loaded up over 40,000 gold coins and all the fancy jewellery, which was going to be gifted to the King of Portugal. Uh, And Bartholomew, fashionista that he was, he took to wearing the largest piece of jewellery, a large diamond-studded gold cross. Amazing. And he wore that at all times. Amazing. This massive piece of bling. Bling, bling. Yeah. And that was just to remind the crew that he was awesome. Fair enough. I like him. Yeah. Although most reports say that Captain Roberts was a fair and good-humoured man, mm-hmm. he was also someone who could hold a bit of a grudge. And this was evident when he left his ship in the care of Walter Kennedy, so he could pursue a treasure ship up a river in a smaller sloop. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Walter and the crew left on board. He hadn't, he hadn't made the best decision about who was leaving on board because they decided to sail off with the last of the Portuguese treasure, leaving Bartholomew with only the little sloop and no money. Luckily, he still had his fancy blinging yeah. cross. Now, that's that's a pretty shitty thing to do. It is. Um, Mutiny, yo. I don't think I put it in here, but what happened to Walter Kennedy? Um, he took that boat. He was a terrible captain. Mm-hmm. They spent all the money, and in the end, to avoid a mutiny, he just said, right, lads, I'll take you all back to Britain. He went back to Britain. Mm-hmm. All of them just dissipated. He tried to set up a a brothel. Oh, my God. Um, But, unfortunately, whenever he got drunk, he told everyone that he was a really successful pirate, and eventually he told the wrong person, and he was hung for piracy, despite the fact that while he was captain, he never took a ship. He never never actually committed... While he was captain, he never committed any pirating crimes. The only thing he did was tell everyone very, very loudly mm. that they needed to watch out for him because he was a pirate oh and he'd done God. all of this stuff. We've so, all known that guy. So he he didn't profit at all uh-huh. from his decision. Fair enough. Um, and practically, it didn't slow Bartholomew down one bit. He simply started capturing progressively larger and more impressive ships, renaming each of them in turn Good Fortune, which was his sort of like, it's his vanity plate. Mm-hmm. Just slap that on a ship, he's away. Yeah. Uh, but from that incident, he would no longer allow any Irishman to join his crew, as that was where Walter was from. Oh, gosh. Right, okay. So he's now made an enemy based on one incident where it's not the Irish at all, it's one dodgy person. Yeah. He's now at war with Ireland, proxy war with Ireland, okay? Right. Eventually, Bartholomew was capturing so many ships that the people of Barbados and Martinique set up a private navy to run him out of town. Fair enough. So two nations got together to try and get rid of this man and force him to leave the Caribbean. And after a battle in which 20 of his crew died, Bartholomew responded by changing up his flag. Okay. Because, you know, he's a fashionista. He's a guy who's all about branding. He's all about the the appearances. Uh So, so, okay, so what was he flying? uh, He'd been flying a picture of him uh, holding a flaming sword because he's awesome. Okay. So that was his old flag. Uh-huh. In the new flag, yeah. he was stood on two skulls, still with the flaming sword, but the skulls were helpfully labelled ABH and AMH. Okay. And they stood for a Barbadian head and a Martiniquan head, respectively, making a grand total of three entire countries he had sworn revenge on within his first year as captain. Because all of that that I've just talked about happened within a year. Oh, my God. So a year before, he'd been working as second mate on uh-huh. a slaver, yeah. just running the I mean, transatlantic what a year. route. That yeah. puts 2020 into a cocked hat, doesn't it? Mm. But he did He did have to leave. You know, this was kind of a futile gesture because mm-hmm. he had had to leave the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went north up the coast. And in Newfoundland, Bartholomew, 
he decided he'd up his he'd, he'd up his pirate game. He he was done with capturing ships. Mm-hmm. That's small potatoes. Fair enough. Uh, so he started capturing entire ports. Uh, he entered the harbour at Trapassi, uh, and he was so upset that the sailors all ran instead of defending their ships because he had quite a fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't just the captain of the Good Fortune. He he had a load of supporting acts mm-hmm. coming with him. So they all rocked into this port expecting a pitch battle mm-hmm. and all the captains just ran away. Gosh. Fair um, enough. But he, he was very affronted by that. He was like, well, you're supposed to be captains. You're supposed to be men of honour. You're supposed uh-huh. to you know, defend your ship and your livelihood and your crew. Uh-huh. Um, so he forced all of the captains to wait on him every day as his personal servants, wow. saying that if they didn't turn up, that's fine. I'll just burn your ship. Uh made as much money as he could out of this little enterprise and then when it was time to leave he'd burn all the ships anyway because oh fair enough that's, that's how Bartholomew rolls if you've slighted him mm-hmm. yeah the man holds a grudge oh god the man holds a grudge and that was just for not fighting him mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't it how dare you how dare you run away from me come here come here and watch me burn all yeah. of your goods um he then he got his he got his grief back he decided uh-huh. he'd head back to the Caribbean taking dozen more ships on the way. He had revenge on his mind and things started well mm-hmm. when he defied the odds and captured a 52-gun French warship okay. that just so happened to be transporting the governor of Martinique. Oh. Uh, Bartholomew hung him from the yard arm okay. and then claimed the 52-gun warship as yet another new royal fortune this time, though. He's nice. gone up. He's nice. a king now. Yeah. King of the Pirates. He's King of the Pirates, so it's the Royal Fortune. And this proved to be the high point of Robert's career. Yeah. As he almost single-handedly stopped all shipping in the Caribbean for a few months. Amazing. Eventually, he decided to head for West Africa because he had literally already stolen everything of worth in the local area. Oh, God. That's that's how good he was as a pirate. There was no point in staying because there was nothing left to steal. I have sucked you I dry. I have it all. Bear in mind, less than two years at this point. Fair enough. Pirate captain, less than two years. Uh-huh. And he has sucked the entire Caribbean dry. dry of all goods that might be worth any money. Uh-huh. Got to West Africa without incident. And Bartholomew continued capturing entire ports. And living it up with his crew, as he had in the Caribbean. Life was good Mm -hmm. for Bartholomew Roberts. Mm -hmm. For a bit. Pregnant pause. Mm -hmm. Then, in February 1722, Mm -hmm. the crew of the newest Royal Fortune, because it had a few Mm -hmm. from there. I just don't think he... It was almost like, you know those people who, they buy a new house, they start work on it, and then they see another new house. And they like some of the quirky features on that one. So yeah. like, oh, I'll move on to that one. He was the same with ships. Yeah, but also He went ships. through dozens. In two years, he went through dozens of ships. I know, but they also took a battering. Mm. Well, yeah, I suppose. You know what I mean? So it's just like, well, if you don't keep one for that long, it's kind of like use it, abuse it, get rid, get a new one. He's the kind of guy who buys... Plus, a... thing, I mean, boats and stuff, it was like... Yeah. Um, the updating and like depending on who you were taking your ship from Mm. they all had ups and downs and pros and cons no as we learned as we learned from the black joke what you really want is a baltimore clipper and then you're golden maybe that was it maybe he was just he was waiting for the opportunity to get a baltimore clipper not knowing that actually the baltimore clipper wouldn't stop being manufactured until many years after his death he was waiting for a magic ship that never arrived no <clears throat> could you imagine this man in the black joke but also <laughs> oh my god it's like a spells. pirate superboat. oh my god but it, no also could you imagine the devastation a pirate crew would leave on a boat what do you mean the devastation i imagine these guys cleaned up after themselves they seem incredibly mild nah. they're going to bed at eight o'clock yeah, I know, but you, there's no lose. There's the entire... You, the ocean is your toilet. Again, Joe, facility. Turtles are your toilet paper. <laughs> You're fine. Scratchy. <laughs> the sea will provide. Uh, 
<laughs> the jellyfish is your loofah. Um, right. But yes, in February 1722, the crew of the newest Royal Fortune, they spied the HMS Swallow coming toward them. Mm-hmm. Bartholomew saw that they were going to need to fight their way past the Navy ship to escape. And accordingly, he dressed in his fanciest fighting clothes. Very good, because as you would, I mean, you wouldn't want to go. You wouldn't want to go looking scruffy. I mean, you couldn't put your joggers on, could you? Well, he made sure that he would, amongst his crew, stand out. It sounds like he would anyway. Mm, but specifically, really, really stand out on this particular morning. Okay. You know, I'm imagining like everyone else is wearing like muted colours, and he's wearing full on like orange and acid yellow yeah i was gonna say yellow i imagine him wearing yellow a hat so big two of his crew are just there to support it uh his plan was to sail straight past the swallow um not to engage it in battle just straight past it would mean that they'd have to face one broadside in order to escape yeah but he figured the swallow wouldn't be expecting that the swallow was actually slightly smaller ship Mm -hmm. so he thought the Swallow would be expecting a pitch battle, wouldn't be ready to suddenly, you know, turn around and go because they'd all be in battle positions mm-hmm. and he could just, while the going was good, piss mm-hmm. off. But it turned out that one shot was all the HMS Swallow needed. As the cannon started firing, Bartholomew was the first to fall. He was hit in the neck by grape shot and died instantly. Oh my God. Hmm. That's one of the things about making yourself the obvious target. Yeah, I know, but I mean, they're not that accurate. Oh God, they're not that accurate. And this was just a fluke. But, yeah. you know, the the other problem is he was making himself such such a, you know, a visible thing for his crew that his crew all immediately saw. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like someone, you know, like the second in command, you know, mm. could cover it up. Like the bosun just, oh, no, no, he's fine. We're just taking him down below. He's just mm-hmm. been shot. He, everyone saw. Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing red shows up really well on yellow in terms of the, the blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, his crew, they honoured his last wishes by quickly burying him at sea. Reed, throwing him over the side. Yep. Although they did so, he was still wearing his blinging cross. Amazing. They, they didn't think to try and pilfer that, which it, it shows the level of respect they have for this mm-hmm. man. Um, the crew fought for two hours until their main mass was shot down. Then they signalled a surrender, mm-hmm. which you kind of have to at that point. Yep. You know, unless you're Richard Grenville from our very first episode, oh, who would have you continue to fight when you yeah. are literally stood on the flotsam and jetsam that used to be your boat. The, this crew were sensible. And they said, well, we'll surrender. Of the 272 remaining pirates, 65 were sold into slavery. The black crew members, black naturally. Crew. Yeah. Because that was another thing about the pirate crews. They were happy to be a multiracial melting pot. Yes. And they would still give every member of crew an equal share in mm-hmm. everything, regardless of where they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least 54 were hung. Quite a lot of them. It was hard labour. It mm-hmm. was, um, you know, sentences were... They probably actually re-entered society at some point. Um, Bartholomew Roberts's career, his entire career, yeah. just over two and a half years... But in that time, yeah. so think about that's what, 900 odd days? Yeah. And he had that nine week dry spell. He did, he did have his dry spell. Uh, his right as block. Yeah. And don't forget, his ship and all of his wealth was taken at one point. He had to start yep. from the ground up again. Mm-hmm. Even though he had those two setbacks, <clears throat> he captured over 400 ships in Amazing. that time span, making him arguably the most successful pirate in history. His infamy was such that the captain of the Swallow, the unfortunately named Captain Chaloner Ogle. Ogle. Ogle or Ogle? I'll leave it up to you. Well, you're Ogle, yeah. but you're also Ogle. It's so. O-G-L-E. So that's why I think Ogle. Ogle, like yeah. Ogre. Yeah. Yeah. He received a knighthood for killing him. And Sir Ogle, <laughs> brilliant, Ogle. Sir Ogle, uh, was the only British naval officer to ever be knighted specifically for his actions against pirates. So that's how high a respect that the British government had for this particular pirate that they were willing to knight the person who stopped him. Gosh. 
As I said at the beginning, uh-huh. some historians claim that the golden age of piracy was only approximately eight years long. And if you follow this interpretation, then the 5th of February, 1722, is the specific day that it ended. Okay. The, shortly before the battle, mm-hmm. Bartholomew Roberts himself said, <clears throat> I will reincarnate into this world in the year 2002, June 2nd. And that means that he is just turning 19 and probably preparing to kick off another golden age of piracy any day now. Isn't that exciting? Oh my God. That is amazing. Which is a completely badass thing to have as your last word. Okay, we need to go on Ancestry and look at that day and Mm. see if there was anybody born. What, with the surname Roberts? I believe there may be a few. You're related to Roberts. I am, only by marriage. But, yeah, let's see if there's any Bartholomew Roberts. I'll tell you what, if, there won't be that many people in 2002 named Bartholomew. How many parents are going to drop that <laughs> moniker on their son? Oh, I don't know. I mean... Update it. It might just be Bart. Bart Roberts. Our our daughter went to playgroup with somebody called Marmaduke. Oh, Marmaduke. <laughs> <laughs> Not only for dogs. <laughs> But that is the story of Bartholomew Roberts, who packed a hell of a lot of piracy Mm -hmm. into a very short space of time. He did. Because it was Black Bart. It was almost, well, that is exactly who he is, Black Bart, but he was never called that during his lifetime. No, he wasn't. But that's how we know him now. Well, I don't think that's fair. He wanted to be known as Bartholomew Roberts, and he picked that specifically as a homage to someone that he was aspiring to be. So the fact that we're we're shortening it, it... Oh, he won't be happy when he comes back. It's only a nickname. Black Bart. Sounds too much like Dirty Fart. No. (laughs) It's Bartholomew. (laughs) Some Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah. Dirty Fart. You followed through. Oh, I've done a Black Bart. (laughs) I've done a Black Bart. Oh, no. (laughs) Were me special emergency pants. (sighs) They're in the back of the corser. Just... (laughs) 